Welcome to Sufficiently Black, the podcast that explores what it means to be comfortable in your blackness. I'm Janae, here with... Kia Swinton. And Amari Pollard. All right, that went smooth, way smoother than it typically does. Uh, But anyway, guys, we have a Discord. You can follow us on all of our socials at SufficientlyBLK, Twitter, Instagram. Come on over, come see us. So, guys, we have a very exciting and salacious show for you guys today. And I am beyond excited for it. Um, we are going to be talking to a sex worker today. That's a little air horn noise. Are you guys pumped too? I am going to be an audience member. and I. Oh <laughs> my God. Kia, Kia. is lame. <laughs> So private. Kia says she's not a prude. She's just a private person. I am. That's all you I need to know. Oh my God, so annoying. I'm over here like, <laughs> and, and it's she was like, no, and it's funny because no. we prepped before this episode. We prepped and we said, "Are we all ready to go there?" And we said, "I okay. said this." We said, "Okay." Did I say okay? Yes. I said I'm willing. I said I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get a good interview. I will say that I, before, months before doing this, I said, are you guys sure we're talking to a sex worker? Like, are you guys sure? Because in, we did another episode about, um, like, hoe phases or whatever, and everyone I know who listened to that episode was like, y'all whack as fuck. Like, y'all ain't talk about nothing. Everyone was like, the entire episode, you guys were like, I'm not a hoe. I'm not a hoe. I've held hands. I'm not a hoe. (laughs) So when we were talking about doing this episode, I was like, all right, guys, we got to step it up because our audience are looking at us like we're some, I don't know, like Girl Scout cookie ass. And me and Amari were like, oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, you know what? This episode is going to be different because we have an actual sex worker who does sex. For a living, does sex, does sex have sex, whatever. And yeah. she will give you the juicy details. Like, if you want to know the juicy details about me, you're going to have to date me or you're going to have to be friends with me for like Okay, but Kia is lying right now because the <laughs> no, questions we are asking, the questions are we, we are asking has nothing to do with our personal sex lives. We are just no, asking it doesn't. questions that we're curious I, I'm just about. Saying, I'm just saying, if you want to know, like, you, the audience is not going to find out about me. Like that's what I just, I just need you preference. to add, I just need you to add a, one question to the lightning round. I will add, but you won't know which one is mine. Dude, she is so. You know what? I'm gonna get. I'm done with you. Anyway, <laughs> let me tell. Let me tell y'all more about Jada. Jada Violet is a 24-year-old sex worker. During the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, she was working from home before leaping into sex work. She was already posting NSFW pictures and videos on Pornhub anonymously. So once she lost her job during the pandemic, sex work became a quick option to make some money. Very shortly after creating her NSFW accounts, her platform quickly grew to the 23.3 thousand followers on Twitter she has today. Welcome, Jada. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, So tell us a little bit about yourself and and how you got to where you are today. Um, I've always been, you know, a creative. So 
before I even was in sex work, I was a makeup artist for about seven to eight years. So I've always been in the beauty industry, um, making other people feel good and just decided that wasn't for me. And then I tried to do regular work, like the nine to five, working at a call center or whatever was seen as a normal, respectable job. And um, I have ADHD. I was undiagnosed for a long time. So those kind of jobs just did not work for me at all. I didn't understand why it didn't work. Why was I just not functioning at my best? Um, and that's why I ultimately was fired from my job. Um, and I got into sex work because it was, like I said, it was a means of survival at that point. And I really didn't know what else to do other than being at home. You're in the house. I can't really, I was living with my elderly grandma. I can't just subject her health to me being out and then coming back. And I don't know if I'm bringing something to her. So I needed something to do at home on my own time to make money off of. And with the rise of OnlyFans, it just made the most sense. So that's when I started. Like I said, I've always been comfortable with myself and my body online. Um, I just wasn't comfortable with people perceiving me as, you know, the whore at that time. So I want to be quiet about it as anonymous as possible. But once I, I the money made more sense than other people's opinions because them ain't paying me. You know what I mean? So um, definitely got started. And it was a lot easier than I realized. Like I stepped into my own power, my confidence and sexuality as a whole, um, became a lot more experienced with all different walks of life. And it just, it keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. So I feel like I'm doing the right thing. So was sex work something I know you, you said you, you kind of had to do it or felt like you had to do it during the pandemic because you um, didn't have like another source of income. Um, but you were posting anonymously on Pornhub. So did you ever think like, oh, my main goal, like maybe like later 20s would be like to do sex work full time? Or was it really just like the pandemic and like how you saw the rise of OnlyFans, which is how you got into do sex work full time? I've always considered myself hypersexual, but it was something I kind of felt like I needed to keep to myself. Um so even if I imagined myself doing things, I just never seen me pushing through with the will to finish or complete whatever that was. Um, but I will be honest, like I was even drawing like sensual art at one point where like people's portraits of their, their all the genitals. And I was like, oh, this is fun. And then I quickly realized this isn't that fun. Like, <laughs> so really, I feel like I've always known in the back of my mind, like, there's something I can do with sex work, but I just didn't, it was so taboo that it, it didn't seem realistic. It didn't seem possible. And then once I seen OnlyFans on the rise, it just felt like an erotic YouTube channel. And I would have loved to have had that and showcase my personality and my hypersexuality and just being myself. But once the pandemic hit and I lost my job, I, all of those preconceived feelings and notions about what's morally right, um, my family's, my family, how they feel about me, how other people perceive me, that's when I was able to just go ahead and do it. So I will say it was already there, and then the pandemic just made me, it pushed me into my power. I honestly feel like a lot of people, like, during the pandemic have gotten to that point just, like, with their work. I think, like, a lot of people had thoughts about what they wanted to do or, like, what they were doing. And I think, I mean, obviously, like, a lot of people were losing their jobs. Mm -hmm. A lot of, I think, and I think, you know, people were dying and it just made everyone step back and being like, what do I actually want to do with like my life, my time? And like, 
I think it made a lot of people take that step that they may not have taken, like you were kind of saying um, before the pandemic. Yeah, and these these corporations, you quickly realize during the pandemic that they don't really care about you and what where do you see yourself? Like, it's not how our parents grew up and you can stay in this one company for the rest of your life. If anything, that you're just a number of your body to do the grunt work so to make someone else money. And it's just like, that's not really as fulfilling when you live life for experiences and you're not experiencing much of anything. And the pandemic pushed out, I feel like in a lot of people's places, in their faces. Amen. I was talking about that today. And, you know, just personal note, both Kia and I got laid off because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have experienced this kind of like, should I be doing this? What should I be doing? What makes me happy? What doesn't make me happy? Um, but on a note about OnlyFans, I mean, I found you through a Business Insider interview that you did about OnlyFans and about being a creator of color. Um, so how does being a black creator on OnlyFans on, on top of that being a plus size black creator on OnlyFans, how is that difficult? It's it's a very, very, very trying at times. Like, you know, shout out to the bullying, you know, early on because my skin is a little bit thicker. Um, I can deal with the online hate. It's not a real place, so it don't it doesn't phase me. But I mean, all day long you're dealing with people who are hypersexualizing you but undervaluing you in the moment that you're not listening to or willing to do whatever crazy request that they have. Um, now you're every derogatory name in the book and it's, it's tiring for, for sure. And some days your energy is just so low. It's, it's very low vibrational at times. Um, but being fat and black, it's just like, unless I'm extremely degrading myself, it's very hard to find myself make extremely successful to make, all this money like these other creators are making, you know, your skinnier counterparts or even uh, people that are white, they they have to do the bare minimum. And I feel like I'm like metaphorically sucking dick on a handstand, just trying to get people to notice me. You know what I mean? And it, that's probably the most trying part is you, you're always, people always have something to say about your body. And in the same token, they feel like it's gratifying for you that they're getting off to you while still like hating you at the same time. And it's just like, for me, I'm going to get my money. So you can hate me all you want to. I still, I still got my money at the end of the day, but it, it hurts your feelings. I mean, I'm a, I'm a person, I'm a human. This affects me. Um, just hearing people constantly, you know, judge my sexual performance online. Like that's not something a lot of people are comfortable with. Um, especially if you're not comfortable with your body. And I've noticed I've gained a lot more self-image issues since I started as a sex worker than I ever had before. Like, I wasn't aware of, you know, like, oh, my boobs aren't bulbous like this person, and that's why I might not be making money. Oh, my stomach's not this way, so I might not be making money like these other plus-size girls. Like, now I'm starting to pick at myself in other ways because you're seeing where the success is and where you are. Mm. Does that ever make the job hard? Does that sure. ever make it feel just like, ugh, I don't know if I want to do this? Oh, for sure. Like, I have moments where I want to take a break. I want to just quit. And I have had, um, like, on my previous Twitter, I was at 45,000 followers. And I mm. I was sussed, deleted. And um, 
I felt I had a, such low engagement on there. Like my new account, it's so much better and it actually feels gratifying enough like I can bypass the hate when you have low engagement and then the only things that you are seeing are just negative people or comparing you to someone else or you should do more something like this and that's just not the kind of fantasy I want to sell it it can be very um unmotivating to even continue at times but I enjoy what I do how did you get, because I know like with OnlyFans, um, I was listening to an interview with this comedian and I had followed her on Twitter like a while ago because I used to be, I used to go to all these like underground comedy shows um, and then I saw that she like was posting about OnlyFans and then like her Twitter blew up, her OnlyFans blew up and now she like kind of quit comedy just to do OnlyFans because that's like what's giving her money and I know like in the OnlyFans documentary, like I think um, that ABC did. It seems like kind of even like podcasting, like you have to have kind of a fan base to like really be lucrative. Um, did you feel the same way with like your OnlyFans? Like how did you grow? Because you said your a Twitter account that got deleted. How did you like start a Twitter account, get these thousands of followers? And how did you make your OnlyFans like really successful? Um, honestly, just the right time, right place with opportunities when I very, very first started, um, there was a production company who specifically features women with big boobs. And he reached out to me when I was really, really small, like not even maybe like a thousand followers. And come to find out, he lived in my city and we were able to meet up within that same week. And we did uh, like a public outside, like quick flash video and that just start rolling people in to see me. But once I had that traction building, I just kept posting, you know, posting and marketing and promoting this and that so I can grow the audience that I have. Um, that was the biggest part is Twitter. Twitter was was my girl. It still is. I mean, I'm still here. I came back. <laughs> so that's that was the main thing is the opportunities that come my way. And truthfully... I don't know how certain people come across my page. Like even with the Business Insider interview, I'm so thankful for that. That came right before my page was deleted. But people just find me because I'm very candid about my opinions and I, I tweet them. I don't care if it's unsexy to you. I'm a real person at the end of the day. Like I still, I do my job. I bait tweet. I make sure I get the engagement, but I'm not a robot. And I make sure you know that. Like I'm not a machine just here to pump out your fantasies. If I can, I do. I have a, a kind of follow-up question for you. We talked about, you know, trolls, all that stuff, Twitter in general, making things exhausting. Sex being your job, does that ever get tiring? Because I, I this, this quote I have from a Billie Eilish song, um, things I once enjoyed just keep me employed now. And I feel like at some points we all feel that way where it's kind of like you end up doing a job because you like it. You're like, oh, this is my bag. I love this. I got this job. I'm so happy. And then you get it and you're like, this is fucking dumb. I'm over it. I'm annoyed. So like, do you ever feel like that about sex? Are you ever just like, all right, I don't like if I could never see my vagina again, I would be fine. Do you ever feel that way? Well, not about my vagina because, you know, me and her, we besties. But um, <laughs> when it comes to sex, like, Absolutely. Me and my partner, um, we've actually had some arguments about sex, like, you know, because you are he's watching the fantasy and like that's not real life. Like I'm not really wanting to do all of these things when we're actually being intimate together. 
Like this is this is staged. My back is hurting, and I'm propped up in a specific position just to give the visual that they're looking for. And there's been times where like in my personal life, he's just like, I don't feel like I get that. And it's just like, why do you feel like you should? Like, this isn't real. It's fake. This is, I say porn is like wrestling, you know, like you start off believing that this is the truth and then you quickly find out it's not. And it's still entertaining. You still want to participate. Um, but in my personal life, I just don't find myself wanting to do the extra most. Like I just want to have that intimate downtime with my partner. I don't want to make it as flashy as possible. Maybe I just want to feel that close connection. And that's probably the biggest thing is I'm always, always on go. I'm hypersexual AF, but I'm not wanting to perform. I just want to exist in that moment. So I would say that that's probably the difference for me. I I actually haven't watched enough Black Mirror to reference this, but like, is it almost like you're not competing against yourself, but is it like a weird like duality where it's like, this is like how I perform, but that's like not me in real life. Is it ever like you're competing against yourself? Yeah, like a Hannah Montana situation. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's how you. I feel. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, that's great. Oh, that. That's how I can feel at times. Like, okay, I'm actually, I'm actually Miley. Um, can you please stop expecting me to be this like grand superstar when I'm just at home? I'm comfortable. I don't, I'm not on the clock. I'm not trying to 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 gain all this traction and engagement because of how spread open I can be while maintaining my posture. Like maybe I just want to lay back and enjoy everything, you know, but that's the biggest takeaway I'd say is people talk about it all the time in sex work on and off camera sex. There's so many sex workers, especially guys who don't really have off camera sex. The only way that they're really having sex is with other women because you have to you have to maintain your sexual status like every two weeks if you're like really really invested in the adult industry so you don't really know if you're taking a leap out on that that's that could be that's a risk at that point um so i would say like on and off camera sex is a big thing with uh sex workers right now um i have a question because you mentioned a couple things about your personal life one about like you don't know how you're family is gonna react but also you mentioned that you are in a relationship um which I think um and I know we're gonna talk about misconceptions later on but I feel like a lot of people like to um degrade sex workers and try to do that like hoe versus housewife narrative and try to like loop women into like those categories but did you feel like um dating was easier for you when you got into sex work or harder or how do you like approach that conversation um with your partner it's it's definitely like trying at times i'm poly so like my partner is my main partner and i've been trying to find a secondary partner but um it's it's like impossible and it's not impossible because of sex work it's just impossible when a lot of people they view things through this possessive mindset and like with sex workers it's like that's not a woman that you really want to possess even if they're extremely attracted to you um i'd say like they buy into the fantasy and then once it really is there in real life like i'm still a person like i have emotional needs i'm not just like this this fuck machine that's like always horny like no i want to i want to have these good times with you as well 
I feel like that's probably the hardest part is people have a certain expectation for what sex workers are supposed to be like um, outside of their profession and then it never matches up to what they made up in their head. So I was fortunate to start sex work while we were already dating and me and my main partner that is. Um, and he's been my biggest support, like helped me furnish my studio and supports me 100% behind the scenes. He's not in like any of, well, maybe one of my films, but like, that's it. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome that, um, you like pursue this journey and they weren't like jealous or like, or like, this is the deal breaker. Cause I've heard that, like I said, when, um, the comedian, she like broke up with her boyfriend because she got really big into OnlyFans and was like making a lot of money and he got really insecure, um, and jealous and like broke up with her. And she was saying how that was really hard because yeah. they had this relationship before that. Um, but I'm glad to hear that's not your story. Yeah, um, and he's been a buyer of sex work be long before I even existed. So there was like, you know, mutualistic relationship there that he understands being the person who's consuming the service that it's not far-fetched to actually like these women as well. Give us more supportive partners. Please. Exactly. Like. We need them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, and like you kind of like um, – like reference like you no know, sex working community and just like to go based off of that uh just like scrolling through your twitter page um it seems like you're constantly like tagging and mentioning um and even like taking photos with other women in your field and so like how important is the community aspect for you it's very important but it's not something that you easily come by um one thing i will say is like i've nurtured like that space for me to just be like the total opposite side of the spectrum when it comes to like production companies. I just wanna bring an inviting um, energy. If we work together, like be yourself, we're gonna come up with whatever your brand is, mine and mesh it together rather than I need you to do this for me and I need it to solely be my benefit, my opportunity. Um, and I feel like especially amongst like other fat black sex workers, we have to work together because a lot of these people are our exact same demographic. Like if they're not with me this week, they might be with the other big titty girl that I posted with next month. So if they keep seeing me and me working, then that can show them like I'm, I'm still working. I'm, I'm active. And maybe they might want to come and see me to see these new people that I bring in to my page. So it's, um, it's very important for me. But I would say I don't think I it's available in the ways that I wish, like just being able to relate to your coworkers. I don't really, I don't even think I can say I really have like coworkers. These are just people that I kind of have to make these money moves with um, because sex work is very weird. A lot of people approach it in different ways. They're not as genuine as you might be or able to match the energy that you want to give out. Um, so community is very important, but I get that majority from my friends if I don't get it within my career. So also like you, you mentioned about um, just like stepping into your sexuality and yourself as a person and like how, how does sex work, you know, make you feel empowered. Um, also like as someone who like genuinely wants to step more into my sexuality, I'm just, I guess I'm like, just like curious, Janine, don't give me that look. I'm just like <laughs> curious, like how, um, like, how, do you, how did you step into it? Um, for sure. I'd say um, you have to be 
get comfortable with your body. And it's one of the easiest ways to get comfortable with your body. Um, being able to see yourself in this sexy, sensual aspect and be like, I'm hot. That can shift the perspective that you might have had on yourself for so long for not being enough of this or too much of that or this isn't attractive. It's just you. This is you in your raw form. And then when you post it online and you start receiving online validation from people that don't know you at all, you realize that a lot of it's been like conditioned thinking of all these negative things about yourself. And when you finally flip your own narrative, it's extremely empowering to just exist as you are and people like it. And then you realize like, this is, this is likable. Wow. I've been sleeping on myself. (laughs) Just a personal tidbit. I feel like that's where I am right now. Um, I'm six foot tall, I'm plus size, and Mm -hmm. my entire life I've been kind of living in this narrative of like, no one likes me, Mm -hmm. dur-dur-dur. And you know, Mm -hmm. through therapy, getting older, really just working on myself, I've been realizing like, I'm that bitch. Like it's been that, okay? Been that, (laughs) been that. And it's, it's, like you said, flipping that narrative and realizing that, you know, due to systemic racism, the patriarchy, all that other bullshit, we have really been brainwashed to think certain things. But sometimes when you do some work on yourself and step outside yourself a little bit, you realize that some people might think these things, but not everyone thinks these things. And that's important. It might have just been your surroundings too, you know? That's true. It shows you like what you might've been surrounded by and the way that they think could have impacted the way that you view life, the world, everything around you. Um, It's... It's definitely empowering, though, when you finally you, you cross that hurdle that was the biggest one being yourself. And then you find no one else matters at that point. Once you are able to conquer your own feelings and how you feel about your body, um, I would say that you're on the, the right path towards empowerment. And then once you go on ahead and say, like, I truly am happy with me, despite whatever you say. Like, I tell people my biggest flex is I get paid for the things I used to be bullied and insecure about. Amen. Wow. That is, that's amazing. It's empowering to finally know and have an experience like my day to day. I see it. Like I haven't worked an actual job in over a year. That's empowering to know. Like me just being me, my natural horror self is sustaining a living for me. Love that for you. Um, (laughs) What are, I know we talked about a little bit of misconceptions, but what are any other misconceptions you would like to clear up about sex work or sex workers? Not everybody is into, you know, like the extreme fetishes. And I feel like that's that's something that people like assume once you get into sex work that you're just open for every every category, every door possible. And not true, um, but it's expected, like I said, with uh, plus size black women, even just plus size women in general, um, is they expect for you to just do really degrading things because a lot of women, that's where their moneymaker is. And I'm not knocking anyone how you get it and how you get it. But me personally, I can't, I won't. Um, And to just like stop expecting for your plus size women to just be like this ultimate freak fantasy that's just down to do whatever, whenever, like, no, not true. Don't want to do that. Um, Another thing, there's just... 
there's a lot of misconceptions about sex work. You know, the whole idea when it comes to selling your body, everybody's selling their body. Like, I'm so tired of that, that argument. If you are working a nine to five job, you are, you are sitting in the body in, in some chair, you're using your body for time. That's not comfortable to perform a job, to make someone else money just as much as I am. Now, maybe you, you, you might be a little bit less labor intensive, but you're still selling your body. Construction workers, they're selling their body. Like, what is, what's the problem with that? That's the product of capitalism. We're all doing it somehow, some way. That's a big misconception I'm so tired of hearing. Um, I don't know, just the assumption that sex workers are not real people, you know, that that's, that's probably the biggest one. And I feel like that's why we don't get the respect that we deserve or we're seen like actual people. Because for the most part, it's easy to live the fantasy and discard it. It's not the person's not real. It's like a movie for them. It's an actor. Okay, guys, it is your girl Kia here. I hope you guys are having a wonderful holiday season. And you're staying safe with COVID because at this point, I don't know what's going on. But anyway, I wanted to talk to you guys quickly about our newest sponsor, which is BetterHelp. So you guys might have heard of BetterHelp and I think it's a perfect time to join because we're starting the new year um it's we're trying to achieve some goals you know what i'm saying um so if you think something is preventing you from achieving your goals or if you really start to think about what is interfering with your happiness uh better help is your solution so better help will um assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and on this podcast we talk a lot about therapy i know amari and janae talk a lot about their experience with therapy and honestly I think mental health crisis is kind of like the biggest crisis in America in my opinion I think a lot of things can be traced back to our mental health and how our mental health is currently and I think that goes for dating career um, friendships I think a lot of it is like once we address these major issues that we can start to move forward what better way to start than 2022 you know what I'm saying um, so you can connect in a safe and private online environment it's very convenient you can start communicating in under 48 hours guys okay and it's not a crisis line it's not a self-help line it's a professional counseling done securely online so you don't have to go anywhere in COVID okay you can send your message to your counselor at any time and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So like I said, really, really convenient. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need it. And if you want to start living a happier life today, as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash listener. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp h-e-l-p dot com slash listener hope you guys enjoy and let's get back into it the one that i heard a lot is um like sex workers have like daddy issues and that's why they want to do sex work and it's like how did you guys get to that correlation because one everyone has daddy issues i feel like and mostly men do so <laughs> i feel like exactly that that doesn't make sense um but also i know you talked about um a lot of like the degrading things especially when it comes to black women um plus size women um what are are you able to give us like 
and you can say no, any of, like, the requests that you've seen common for black women or, like, plus-size women and the ones that you're just like, nah, fuck it, this is not enough money for this? Oh, absolutely. Like, anything revolving around me being a pig, I'm not doing that. Um, Like, people want you to, like, oink around and, like, be as, like, to display your body in such a nasty way like they don't even it's not meant to be sexy i feel like it's meant to like poke fun at you and personally i don't know where that's going to end up so no i'm not doing it and um i'd say you know where people are asking you to do feeding videos refuse to do those um i just that's 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 not something i'd ever do and it's not to say like for some people i get it like have $200 meals sent your way and all you got to do is record yourself eating it. But when you're a plus size woman, you got to know what you're feeding into when you do stuff like that. And who is your audience and why, why do they really want to see that? Um, not willing to do it. Um, I don't do mommy requests. And I know that that is something that a lot of women with big titties, they definitely do because the market is insanely massive for it. Wait a minute. What, what, what exactly is that? Are you like play breastfeeding somebody? You pr- pretty much pretend to be someone's like slutty mom. Like your videos are just like you're pretending to be someone's mother. You be in like maybe a mom like situation and just like pretending this incestual relationship. Oh. And I just I don't feel comfortable doing that with people on the internet. Like I don't know you. Like I yeah. don't want to do that. That's not a fantasy that I feel comfortable adhering to. Now I get it. The pregnancy women, they make so much money and they call themselves mommy. You have some women who have already had kids and they call themselves mommy. Some women who just have big titties and they go along with the whole mommy trope because as quiet as it's kept, that's like the number one biggest seller, I'd say, amongst sex work is incestual fantasies. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't know about the pregnant pregnant women thing actually that's oh no that's huge <laughs> I, I that's something i didn't know but that's... it's very big and like they want your belly round and plump they want to see your nipples extra dark wow. they want you to show your breasts lactating like it's it, it gets a little you know sick and twisted at least for me i'm not here to kink shame but you know i will point my finger at some of them it's like... <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> like you know better yeah <laughs> oh. wow yeah um, well, we have one more question before our, our lightning round, and that is what's some advice that you would give to anyone who they're, they're on the fence. They're like, do I dip my toes in? Do I not? Um, for doing sex work. You need to know if this is something you want to do. Like okay. before you do it, 100%. Even when I posted uh, my TikTok on how to be uh, a porn star, um, I was telling like this one person commented and they said that. They bought everything and then they chickened out. If you chicken out, like, don't do it. Don't do it until you feel 100% comfortable because it can be damaging if you're not. If you're an extremely low point in your life and you're insecure, like, I can only imagine it's not going to elevate you extremely high. It might exacerbate those same insecurities. Um, So you need to at least be confident and assured of yourself that you don't care what other people are going to say. I understand it might affect you at times, but in the grand scheme of things, you you need to have you need to be prepared for the hate that's coming. 
you know, like YouTubers, they know their comment sections are going to be crazy and they have to prepare for that. If you're an influencer, you have to be prepared for that. It's But it's just 10 times worse because these are people that are embarrassed to show themselves. So they're going to be as vulgar and as mean as spirited as they want to be. And I'd say that you need to be prepared for people to say all kinds of hurtful, out-of-pocket stuff. Um, and I mean, just being candid, your safety is a huge issue. You never know who's looking at you, who's trying to find you online, what kind of abilities that they have. Um, I got into a relationship with someone, um, a sugar baby relationship with someone who had a lot of tech skills. And I still have my suspicions that they're the one who deleted all of my pages. But it's just like, you don't know what these people are equipped with and you need to be able to prepare yourself for the worst should that be the case. Not everything is, even if it is fast money, there can be extreme negatives to how quick the money can be. I do have one more question, sorry. Um, I did wanna know, like, cause this is all semi newish, um, how did your family react when you, t- did, if you told them the news about like you doing sex or full time and like how, what was their reaction? Uh, God awful. <laughs> oh, very much terrible. I'm not even on speaking terms with uh, my father's side of the family. Um, I was actually punched in my face, assaulted by my cousin who grew up like my brother. Like we were, we're only eight months apart, and I was all types of whores and hoes, and I broke, and I have no goals, and I'm ran through, whatever the case may be. Um, and that's. With me saying this, my that's my black side of my family. So I already I didn't expect for it to be praised, accepted, anything at the bare minimum. I just didn't expect to be, you know, isolated from my family and no one wants to talk to me. I didn't even find out like family members are dying. No one is communicating with me. So that's that's awful. But like I said, thick skin, everybody's disposable and anybody can be an energy leech, regardless of their family or not. So I feel like family are the people that you choose. With my mom's side of the family, I have uh, my sister who's beyond supportive, goes to bat for me with my own mom about, you know, sex work in general. My mom is an almost 60-year-old woman who's very much Christian, and this is not the way of the Lord. And I'm I broke her heart when I told her I wasn't a Christian in high school, and now I'm just like a demon, a spawn of Satan themselves because her so but I will say like we got into it really big over Christmas over sex work and it not being a real job and like just perpetuating negative stereotypes like she even said like you can't you're not that's not a real job you don't even have health care if you can't get health care then that's not a real job you go ahead and you get sick and see if you can take care of yourself like borderline wishing illness on me to prove a point and I'm just you can see how negative people view sex workers, even when it's you, like, it didn't matter if I was family or not, like, I'm still getting, I'm still getting the same amount of hatred in my family as I do online. So not everybody has that, you know, extremely supportive family members, but I do have one in my corner and all of my friends are the biggest support system for me along with my partner. I'm sorry about that. You don't deserve that. And that's, that's terrible. That's terrible. It is. But thank you. I appreciate it. You know, we're healing. We're growing through it every day. Amen. <laughs> and Amen. I also I also think that I I don't want to be like generations or whatever, but I feel like 
our generation is much more forward thinking and like what you're doing is very like in the spirit of entrepreneurship like this is like this is a job like this is 100 percent. you are your own like boss you're like getting like you're expanding your brand all this stuff and i feel like people don't like we just need to expand the ways in which we think about things um so going to our lightning round first question i have it's like a two-parter it's it's a two-parter okay um so you mentioned that you had a partner right Mm -hmm. right right so how do you pick people that you collaborate with do you work with him do you work with people that you find on the internet other people with OnlyFans accounts um and then the second part to that is have you ever like fucked a fan or hooked up with a fan before and like filmed it um Well, the screening process for me is, do I like your content? First of all, like I need to be following, seeing what they're doing. What do they talk about? Because there's a lot of pretty people that are problematic. So um, I need to see if I feel like we would vibe together based upon like their tweets and their content. Uh, And that's a huge thing for me. Um, But also seeing if our demographics match. Are we, is this a lucrative move for me? I'd say that that's the number one thing. And then checking their energy having a couple conversations with them um, beforehand, just seeing if this is something they want to do, if they're open to it. And if they are, then until that time, we're just getting to know each other more and more until, you know, the shoot date actually comes to fruition. Um, now with my partner, I like I said, I've only filmed with him once. And that's just because I don't, that's, there's some things you want to keep private. I'm so open about everything that I don't need, his sexual performance judged as well. He's not a sex worker, doesn't want to be a sex worker, and just appreciates it. So I don't want him to feel any way about himself with other people making comments about X, Y, and Z, because I've had that before. I I like big men as a big woman. So I've seen people make comments about these men's titties, and he's bigger than you, and he's this and he's that. And I just don't want to subject him to that kind of hate. I'd rather someone else who's well-versed in online hate and how it can go. So that's why I keep that private on my own. Um, And it just keeps our relationship, our relationship rather than a work relationship too. Like, come on and hump me real quick so I can have some content. Like I'd rather just make solo content and keep that stress off of him. We have a lot of other relationship issues to worry about and I don't want to rope him into my job. But I'd say the second part of that question, I've definitely, uh, I've done it once with the fan and it was for, I don't even have an explanation for it. He was just cool. Okay. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't need an explanation. You don't need he was, an explanation. He was cool. He was nice. He was very sweet. Um, always paid me for my time. Very much understood. Like this is a service but did not treat me like a robot. Like it was, it was the most eye opening experience that I can still be treated like a person, uh, despite you being horny and attracted to me sexually. Um, so it kind of set the tone for other people. I've, I've never really wanted to meet up with anyone, but he just made it like kind of too easy to not to like everything was taken care of guaranteed cool time um even ended up seeing him again on my birthday and was just like a really nice friend to me um paid for all of my friends stuff just for them coming and it was just 
it made sense. And then I was able to market it as like a, ooh, I'm fucking a fan. Uh, come look, guys. You wish this was you. So <laughs> it was a win-win. Um, Amari, do you want to ask a question? Yeah, sure. Um, this question is, how do you get over the fear of um, anal? Or especially if you're like looking to explore, I guess, like, how do you get over the fear of like exploring different things in general? In general, like any anything, just trying new things. Yeah. I'd say you have to be open to new experiences. Like once you're kind of I was just bored for a long time. Like I was a picky eater for a long period of time and I just got tired of eating the same sorts of things. And I just wanted to try new things. You have to be open to it, like at least subjecting yourself to seeing what else is out there to widen your perspective and your horizons on what, what makes you want to go on ahead and do it. I feel like that's the biggest part is getting over yourself still. Um, but also seeing what's out there because if you're sticking by with only what you know, you're not really going to be subjected to anything new or any new experiences. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, another question for you that may or may not be a personal one. Sorry, mom. But how do you overcome a strong gag reflex? Wrong person to ask because I have to give a preface and statement to anyone I work with that there's no face fucking that's allowed because my gag reflexes are so sensitive. Um, they always have been. Um, I think I actually have some sort of condition. I forgot the name because I've thrown up at the dentist because my <laughs> gag reflexes are awful. I can't even get the x-rays of my teeth because my gag reflexes are awful. They so do be pushing terrible. those 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 things back far though. Yes. Yeah, like it's <laughs> It's hard, but at the same time, I mean, it kind of, wor it works out for my benefit because in the fantasy land, it's like, wow, it's so big. She's gagging on it. So, you know, there's, there's, there's money to be made in that in itself. So if you can't over, if you can't overcome it, like me, use it to your benefit. Like, oh my God, I can barely <laughs> handle this. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good way to market it. That's a good way to market it. For yeah, sure. but the, but then they be thinking they're like yeah. Superman, and it's like I don't want you to be thinking that. But that's you <laughs> know listen, what I'm trying. I'm trying to humble you. <laughs> listen, and there's a market for that too. If you want to humble all these men, do it. But yes. for me, I know I gotta stroke their egos a little bit, and that's that's gonna give me money. So wow, your dick is huge. I can't fit it. <laughs> okay, I guess it's my turn. Um. Why do you think a lot of people are into eating ass? I feel like just because it's taboo in general, you know what I mean? Like, and I will say once uh, Janae Aiko came out and said that, I swear to God, that's when I started seeing it like as a public mainstream. People are now like, it's, it's cool to eat the booty like groceries, you know, um, because you're hearing a woman talk about their own experiences um, but once you hear it on a, on a large platform, on a viral song, it doesn't seem like, oh, that's like the worst thing in the world. You don't feel crazy for doing it. But I know that people are just attracted to the most 
the dirtiest things possible. You know what I mean? Um, that's that that could be a kink in itself. Just how disgusting can something be? And assholes aren't seen as the cleanest thing in the world. So for the right person, that can be a turn on. And even for someone who's just getting into certain kinks, it can just be exciting to try something new. Like, you know what, let me see what this is about. Since, you know, I ain't supposed to be doing this and whatever the case may be, can make it more enticing for anyone to just go on ahead and try it. That's what I personally think is it took someone of a higher stature to say it. And now you got other people, other celebrities talking about it and, it might make you feel like FOMO for some people, fear of missing out that what 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 are you not getting from not doing it? Am I not pleasing my woman? Is this what I should be doing now? So I mean, I feel the same way with giving head. For the longest, that wasn't okay either for women. Like you can't give a woman head. That was you were emasculated if you did that. It just took the right person to say it for it to stick to uh the masses, I'd say. That's very true. I feel like when DJ Khaled said that he doesn't do that, that's when everyone was like, whoa, 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 no, you gotta do it, man. Mm -hmm. And now it's like the popular thing to like doing it. But there are still dudes out here who hide in the shadows and don't like doing it. They're out there. I've talked about that. Like with uh, my partner, he said that his, if his grandfather was still alive, he would be like disgusted at him for like, you're pleasing a woman, you know, like men knew that they were using women's bodies to masturbate essentially. And it's just like, you're not as much of a man if, if you're not having the sex just and for see, you. This is the thing that I don't understand. I was actually talking about this with a friend not too long ago because sex, sex is a two way thing. Like exactly. two people are here to you, but and I think a lot of men don't right. think that. I think a lot of men think as women, like you said, things to masturbate with, and essentially, mm-hmm. like how many times, like do people talk about having sex when like the guy is like pushing your face down or you're not looking, like you you were literally like an object, and that's how right. they like see you. Um, and I think like you said, like emasculating, like or whatever, like a lot of them feel like, oh, if I do anything with the butt, I'm gay or I can't do this, and it's like the ego, the pride is like blocking you from having like actual intimacy with your partner which i think is crazy but it's definitely common it's crazy because isn't sex more fun when you see your partner is enjoying themselves if you like your partner how like we just talked about this a lot of people don't like their partners you're right you a lot of people don't like women (laughs) and that's very 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 true like even with a lot of quote-unquote straight men like once I learned about homoeroticism, I'm just realizing, like, I don't even think a lot of these men are as straight as they present themselves. So true. So they're true. Not even no one is worried. as straight as they present themselves. <laughs> like, at all. They're so worried about how the next guy perceives their woman that they might not even actually like that. And you realize that a lot with being plus size, that at least when I first started dating as a plus size woman, um, men don't really want to share that this is what they're interested in online. They're showing all the love to, you know, the skinny, smaller women. And then you have bigger women that you want to like on the sideline that you want to DM your hard eyes to you. You're too afraid to, to say that. So I think even with sexual preferences, maybe that's what they're hearing their guys get in and that's what they want to do. And it doesn't matter if that's what the woman likes. It's like, well, my dude likes this, so I might like it too. So I don't know. Why are you worried about what he likes? 
And that, it, it just don't make no sense. You're the question here, of the century. <laughs> so you're, you're over here so afraid of what other men think of you and doing so much stuff to make other men happy, yet the idea of being gay is the worst thing in the world. It's like, what, 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 what is that? What? It, just, it doesn't make sense. The math isn't mathing. Okay? The math is not <laughs> mathing. It's just like, what? Or how a lot of men go to the gym to beef up, to like show off for their guys. It's not really like women who are like, oh my God, he's so beef. It's women men don't like, care about yeah, that. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know any women that are like, he needs to have six pack chiseled abs. Like, I don't know any girl who really wants that. Like, it's cool, sure. But like, At honestly- all. I don't know. I feel like I see a guy with a six pack and I'm kind of like, wow, you spend a lot of time in the gym and I don't. So I don't think we gonna work. I'm, I'm not trying to be your plus size project. Like, that's how I feel when I see men that just be super, super ripped, you know. But I wanted to add to uh, just homoeroticism for men with women. You know, when we're sending our, our, our dudes in the group chat or whatever the case may be to your bestie. They can say they ugly as hell and you still go talk to them. Like, it don't matter. You're not worried about how they perceive your 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 next guy. Like, I don't need my auntie to ask me, oh, is that you? I don't need that validation. And I feel like a lot of that comes from their own father issues, which is why they want to appease other men. But that's just my personal opinion. No, I think you're 100% right. I think everything you said is truth because, like, I can think about, like, most of my friends, no shade. I I think a lot of them are ugly, but – and I'm sure they would feel the same way about the people I've dated. We just don't have the same type. But, like, I feel like with women, you're, like, honest with that. Like, you can – you can, I'm not saying tell your best friend that, you know, her dude's ugly, but I'm just saying you could be like, oh, he's not my type or like, it's not for me. And they would say the same way for me. Does that mean I'm going to break up with my guy because my friend doesn't like him? Absolutely not. Right. I actually like, want you to I... be more ugly because no one, I don't have to fight for you. I feel like also there's a little bit more of that um, with women, at least for me, I've had my fair share of uh, betrayal in friendships when it comes to my guys that, you don't, you're not looking for that. And I mean, also on the other side of that spectrum, I've seen a lot of guys that are my guys' friends that because they're looking to see if, make sure they're picking a partner that their male friends find attractive, it's not a shocker that now they're in my DMs now too. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like a safety net for me personally where I don't need that validation because when I was doing too much for it, I ended up just pushing them their direction. So personally, I learned early on, I had this crazy crush on this guy in high school and he was ugly. He was ugly as hell. He had acne and everything. But for whatever reason, I just thought that he was the tits, man. I thought he was everything. And all my friends were like, oh, my God, he's so ugly. And I was like, but I love him. though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another question for you. Um, how do you deal with clients with like annoying personalities or clients that you just low key don't fuck with? How do you deal with them? In all honesty, you give them the bare minimum. Like if they're at least paying for the service, it's like, all right, it's, it's a job, I guess. But there are some people you just don't like them because they're they're just rude. Like I had this one guy very early on. I didn't know how to assert myself as a sex worker at the time and understand that, you know, I set the, I set the tone. And if I don't want you here, you don't got to be. I was just taking whatever money came my way. And he would just be like so iffy, like one minute I'm the hottest thing in the world and the next minute I'm like garbage and I'm this and I'm that. I'm all types of bitches or whatever the case may be. And you just got to get firm and setting your own boundaries. 
with those people um, that if they proceed to act like this, then you won't get services from them. Give them ultimatums, 100%. If you want to still have access to me, you need to adhere to A, B, or C. Now, like I have certain white customers that we, there's a big culture shock because I'm not involved in white culture or anything like at all. So um, it could be annoying, but I know that they don't mean any harm. So with those situations, obviously, I'm going to approach it a little bit lighter, especially if you're still being kind hearted. It's just like, this is really corny, you know? <laughs> Every time I hear white culture, it's such an interesting word. I'm like, what is white culture? Um... <laughs> Menace. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just such an interesting word to me. Um, so another question we got from our audience is, how do you keep safe with your clients? Um, I don't disclose any personal information. Um, that's the biggest thing I'd say. Um, for the most part, I only talk to people who actually want to talk to me, like those who want to subscribe to me, the people that are willing to pay for the service. I try to, a part of me isn't real. Like, I mean, a lot of it's real, but a lot of it also is not. So the fantasy of, Jada Violet versus who I actually am, I play that up a little bit more and I feel like that helps like remove my my personal life from the forefront because you're only focused on on that. I would say I'm also I have IUD just so there's no slip ups in the industry. Um, but that's not really for clients because I don't really I don't take any in person uh, clients at all. Other than, you know, that one random fan. But um, <laughs> other than that, um, just making sure that you really, 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 if you ever plan on doing anything in person with someone, you need to know everything that there is to know about them. Um, when it comes to other sex workers, we're all we're all tested, talent tested. Um, and we don't disclose anything, anything at all. Like all of my friends who are moms, they're not even disclosing that they are mothers. Um, don't want any inkling of you trying to find anything about my personal life. Like I had to ask one of my um, frequent content creators I film with to remove their location because I'm like, once we started working back together, I don't need people knowing that, even assuming that we could be close to each other. Yeah, I didn't even think about like the association, like someone could like, like you said, like assume your location based off of like who you're collabing with. Um, and another question from one of our readers is like, what is something you've learned about people in general through your work? People are very lonely and they do not have safe spaces to talk about how they really feel. And I'm sure if you watch like anything, like any documentary, any short, if read any article about sex workers, they always say like they are therapists for people and we truly are people don't feel comfortable talking to their closest people about things, but because we're going against the grain, it almost seems like you're more of a person that they can relate to because of these, because of that. Um, that's something I've noticed is there's a lot of people that live in shame for a long, long, long period of time. And they wish that they could just open up. I have so many men that are, they feel comfortable expressing their feminine sexuality with me. Like we're not even talking anything sexual. They just want to show me their butt and them twerking because they're, they never had that opportunity before. So that's the number one thing I think I notice about people is even online. They're just looking for some sort of connection. That's real. I can totally see that. 
Is there anything else that you would like to tell the audience or anything you want to get off your chest or anything that you want people to know? Um, a little bit. I really just wanted to, for me, the biggest thing that I wanted, wanted to talk about is featureism, you know, within uh, sex work and how that's just really damaging for, I feel like, everyone's self-image and even down to consuming sex work is when you are, you know, the BBC or at least in terms of sex work, that's what I'm talking about for features. I'm not really features like physical features on your face. Um, although that does play a part too. It's, it's really, it's really hard being a sex worker where obviously like my money makers are going to be these huge titties and I'm aware of that. But let's say there's another creator who has bigger titties and they also have this too. Now you're immediately not as deemed as desirable from the masses because of this. And then that's reiterated with the type of porn that's being produced all the time. You know, big booty Latina is not as enticing as just like big booty, whatever race. And um, it can be damaging for like a person like me who's very self-aware of racism, colorism, featureism, all of these things. And I kind of have to play into that just so I can make my money. And that's probably the hardest thing is like even having to exotify myself. And I have to state I'm not just a black woman to seem just a little bit more enticing because of that feature makes me more enticing to make me more money. And I just wish that people could just like people because they're sexy, not because they're they're a light skinned sexy person or they're uh they're they're a curly haired sexy person or they have a fifty seven inch ass sexy person. It's it can just be it's all different, you know, depending on where you are regionally, um, also where you are on the internet, what side of the internet are you on, what algorithm picked you up, um, depends on who's gonna respond well to you or not. So that's probably the biggest thing I'd say that is a huge, that's something I wanted to just talk about because featureism plays a huge part in dating um, within the black community and then also within um, sex work. It, 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 it carries over. It's so funny because we've, we've talked about this so much on this show. We've had an entire colorism episode. We always talk about dating and how I think the three of us kind of fit into different, I don't know, buckets per se mm -hmm. preference buckets um so we all three of us have had similar yet different experiences when it comes to dating and it's really hard i think it's hard for everyone out here all mm -hmm. all i know women i can't really speak to men are kind of struggling with this idea of only certain people will like me because of these certain features that i have and right. that is incredibly frustrating when you're like i'm a human being with so much to give and so much to offer yet I will be bypassed for someone else because I don't have certain things. And this is not something that I can control. Exactly. And it's that that's probably the most hurtful part is knowing that you can't control it. You can't control it. Can't do nothing about it. It's, and it ooh. just exists. You have to exist yeah. within the guidelines that are, they, they've been existing before you. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's troubling. It's trying. That's probably the thing that makes me want to like quit the most is like, I'm trying my damnedest and you can see other people that just because they have certain features, like I'm, I'm an apple shaped. I have no booty. I got hip dips and straight up 
you know, built like a pea. And I'm happy with that. I'm I'm proud to be the representation that I don't see online for women who are shaped like me because I know millions of us look like me. And it's still sexy. Someone still likes it. But the truth of the matter is the masses don't like it and it's not celebrated. So even if they like it behind closed doors, you're still receiving all the flack that comes from it being behind the doors and not celebrated. So that's probably the hardest thing is you can try as hard as you can, as hard as you want. You can grow as big as possible. But if you don't have it, the it feature to keep you in this game, then you're someone's there for a month and then they're leaving to go see someone else do the bare minimum or they like your content. They steal it from you and then they're selling your content to someone else. So it's it's hard. They you you see that people are willing to pay white people appropriately for pretty much everything in any industry, but especially within the sex work industry. It's like it's crazy. I have friends that can white friends that can just dibble and dabble in sex work however they feel and they can make what I made in a month within just just whatever, just sending a couple of pictures. And like I said, metaphorically sucking dick on handstands just to get the same outcome. So that's probably the hardest thing is like, I'm not light enough to, to make this money. I'm not curvaceous enough to get this money. I, my, my boobies aren't bulbous enough to make this money. They don't bounce enough. Like it's, it becomes really trivial. And that's probably the hardest part about sex work is then beating yourself up for things that you can't control, festering new insecurities within yourself because you equate success to how much money you're making. Damn. That's so heavy and that's so real. And I relate so much, you know, I, I relate so much just in dating, yeah. just in general. Like you said, I can go out with my white friends and I know that there's a good chance that I'm going to get ignored and I can be more successful. I can be have more to offer. I can be funnier. I can be prettier. It don't matter. Mm -mm. It don't matter. And even speaking from my privilege as a light-skinned Black person, mm -hmm. it's the same thing other people feel towards me. So it's like... But it we... does matter to the right people. It does, I for sure. Kia coming in with a positive at the end. Okay. <laughs> I love that. Because that's true. <laughs> no, it, it matters is. to it the is. right people, for sure. Yeah. And that's why I surround myself with a, a shit ton of love, because mm -hmm. if I didn't, I'd probably be somewhere, you know, depressed, crying in the corner. And not to say that that's not my everyday life at times, too. It's just it'd be a lot more frequent if I didn't have my support system around me. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's important. Like, surround yourself with the people that, like, you know, they like you for you instead of surrounding your mm -hmm. people with, like, because clout and other stuff. And I, that's, I think that's why people get wrapped up in these things. But I think once you have like a positive mindset or like, and I'm not saying it's easier said than done. I'm not like, just think about it and it'll come. But like, you do have to be like proactive in that and like be careful about who you have around because, you know, especially with, if, if you're a straight woman and you date men, I feel like men tend to like say some wild shit and that, that at least for me, that, that shit like really sticks with you for like years. And there's mm -hmm. things that people have said to me that make me feel like, my confidence level is like to hell because the things they've said to me years ago and they, they don't know how much power that has, but like, you know, that shit really hurts. And then you start it comparing does. yourself. Um, and so I think it's really important to just like surround yourself with people who don't say like backward shit or make you feel like you have to compete. Yep. And people that'll speak up for you, you know, like in, in, in those uncomfortable spaces or rooms, because if you don't feel like it's, 
it's also can be negative if you have people that only support you when they're around you and not mm-hmm. to other people as well. So I'd say that that's equally as important. Be as loving in front of me when you're not with me. So, and I'm I'm an advocate for that. I always will speak up for anything problematic, you know, hypervigilant about it. Yes. <laughs> Jada, just before we close out, do you have any, you know, shameless plug moment? Where do the people find you? If you, if you want them to know where to find you. Listen, you can definitely come and see all the spicy things. Okay. At OnlyFans.com slash Jada Violet. And if you're more into, I just want to a la carte, see what I'm feeling rather than subscribe for the whole thing. Jada Violet free um, for OnlyFans as well. You can find me on Fansly. You can find me on Twitter if you want to see my real authentic self. And that's at Mystical Secret. I'm sorry, uh, with a K, it, it threw my brand off. Like, I was deleted, okay? It was deleted. <laughs> we'll add it in the, the show notes so people can just click right on it. Wait a Perfect. minute. How did you come up with the name Mystical Secret? How, how did you come up with that like name? That. Like, I'm so curious. <laughs> well, to be honest, I've um, it used to be my Finsta name, like when I had a Finsta. So it just made so much sense to just move that over and I'm very spiritual I'm the I'm the crystals girl with the incense and everything hanging around I could grab you know little things out of my room right now so I see myself as a mystical person and you know the secret aspect was like this is this is really me mm, this is easy, easy. <laughs> Taboo. Mm. Oh. I like it I love that name that's really cute thank you I appreciate it yeah. okay well if all hearts and minds are cleared let's close this bitch out yes thanks for joining us jada thank you for having me this was so much fun i really love talking you know with other black women just about issues in the world it's just refreshing to be able to to do that you know um to have that sense of community and be able to talk about things that i might not be able to in other relationships so i appreciate you guys reaching out to me and having this opportunity Thank you. And we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and and bear all and be completely honest and authentic. So thank you. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. You can talk to us on social media at sufficientlyblk. Email us at sufficientlyblackpodcast at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. And you can listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us so you don't miss any new episodes. Until next time. Bye. Bye.